You see the beauty of God, and you can't say no. But you see the messiness of religion, and you can't say yes. The awe and wonder of life make it almost impossible not to believe, but the ache and evil of the world make it utterly irrational to believe. Maybe you were promised that Christianity would resolve life's paradoxes and answer your deepest questions, only to discover that it has unearthed even deeper and more unanswerable ones. Questions like, who is Jesus and why did he really come? What is salvation and what are we actually saved from? Who are Christians and why do too many of them seem so unchristian? And what is the Bible and how are we supposed to read it in the modern world? And what is the meaning and purpose of life? And where is all this headed? It turns out Christianity is not a religion of finite answers. Christianity is an ongoing conversation about the infinite possibilities of experiencing God and the beauty and in the mess of life, the ache and the awe of the world. If you're inclined to say no to religion, you can still say yes to the conversation. Join us for this provocative new series, Why Christian? A generous six-week conversation about how we might still find faith even when we can't believe anymore. was in a cow stall with wise men and farmers and shepherds and all but high from God's heaven a starlight did fall and the promise of ages he If Jesus had wanted for any we think a star in the sky or a bird on a wing or all of God's angels in heaven for to sing he surely Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor ornery people like you and like I. I wonder as I Merry Christmas, St. Andrew. All right, one, one more time. I know you're not awake yet. Merry Christmas, St. Andrew. Merry 
There we go. Now we're getting. How are y'all doing? So glad that you are here on this glorious Christmas morning. My name is Rev. Jerry. I am one of the pastors here at St. Andrew, and I want to welcome each and every one of you into this space. Friends, here at St. Andrew, we lean into the idea of cultivating an open and inclusive space that welcomes everyone, saints and sinners, believers and skeptics, the lost, the found, the wanderers and the wonders, families of all shapes and sizes, everyone in between. So know this, no matter where you have been, no matter where you're going, whether you believe or believe anything at all, you are welcome here and you belong right here. If you are a first-time visitor, let me um, tell you to go out to Cafe Connect in the atrium and visit some friendly people there who will be eager to answer any questions you might have about St. Andrew and get you connected to one of our various ministries here. And finally, if you were worshiping with us online, I want to welcome you into this space as well on this Christmas morning. Let us know you're here in the chat and uh, let us know your name and how you're doing and where you are from. At this time, I'd like to invite all of you to stand as you are able and face the center aisle for the bringing in of the word and the light. Friends, will you join me now in our call to worship, the words of which will be found on the screen. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the love, compassion, and grace of his Christ have come. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace.
Hear the good news, Emmanuel, God is with us. We offer our thanks and praise for the gift of grace swaddled in love and for the tender mercies of God as we gather our hearts in prayer. Grace dawned this morning. Joy sang us awake with carols of wonder. It was like hope was fixing breakfast for us while we slept. We, re we rejoice and give thanks. God in community, holy and one, our grace, our joy, our hope. We come to you this day with grateful hearts for becoming one among us. We thank you for the gift of your love. We pray for the people of the world, for those who suffer and are sick, facing illness or addiction, for all without food, shelter, and clean water, for those who feel unsafe, alone, left out, forgotten, for those facing death. Stir up in us the capacity to see ourselves in their struggles and to act so that others may have fullness of life. We pray for this community, for our neighbors, our friends. God, and strengthen all people in our common life to know the gifts of your grace and love. We pray now in the silence of our hearts, prayers we trust you to hear. May all that we ask and all that you see is needed in the world be given to your people as we pray together the prayer of the one who took on life so that we may have life abundantly. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen.
As you give your offering this morning, we invite you to utilize the online giving platforms or the offering plates that will be passed among you. If you give online, we encourage you to drop a card in the offering plate as a symbol of your online gift. We hope you will join us in this way to support St. Andrew's Ministries. Let us pray. God, receive our offering and use it and us for the highest good. When blossom flowered mid the snow upon a winter night was born the child the Christmas rose, the king of love and light. The angels sang, the shepherds sang, the grateful earth rejoiced. And at his blessed birth, the stars their exaltation was. Oh, come, let us Again the heart with rapture glows To greet the holy night That gave the world its Christmas rose The King of love and light Let every voice acclaim his name the grateful chorus swell. From paradise to earth he came, that we with him might dwell. O oh, come, let us Isaiah chapter 63 is a lonely passage. Salvation here is not triumphant. It is marked by loss and theological collapse. 
Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 through 9 are some of the first words uttered after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 587 BCE. Historical cues come in 63.18 and 64.10, where we learn that our adversaries were trampled, have trampled down your sanctuary, and your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. These verses initiate a communal lament. Given its psalm-like character, some have concluded that its composition was inspired by actual liturgical laments on the site of the ruined temple. It inscribes the people with cause to embrace the ruins of their central religious institution to find communal expression for their loss. Verses 7 through 9 from a bold account of what's working in a long-term relationship with God. A best-of list, if you will. God's mercy and steadfast love take the center stage. Let us hear now Isaiah 63, 7 through 9. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not act deceitfully. And he became their savior in all their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and pity, it was he who redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Now, you can be honest. There's no judgment here. Feels a little weird to be here this morning, doesn't it? It's okay. It's okay to feel that way. I mean, Christmas on a Sunday? Are you serious? Really? That's what my wife said to me a couple months ago. Well, look, if it's any comfort, this doesn't happen that often. Here's some useless trivia for you this morning. If it were not for leap years, it, uh, Christmas would fall on Sunday every seven years. However, because of the leap year, it follows a general mathematical pattern, 6, 5, 6, 11. The first Sunday Christmas this century was 2005, and the last one before that was 11 years earlier in 1994. With that as a starting point, 21st century Christmas Sundays have and will occur in the years 2005, 2011, 2016, obviously 2022, and finally, 2033, and then the cycle will begin all over again, 6, 5, 6, 11. So I know it might feel weird to be here this morning, but look, here's the good news. It's not going to happen for another 11 years. <laughs> Still, even on this most glorious of days, as we sit here together in community celebrating the unspeakable joy that is found in the birth of Christ, I know that the horizon of post-holiday realities might also be on our mind. It was a frantic journey, I'm not going to lie, a frantic journey to the celebration of Christmas Eve last night and today when the light seems so bright and colorful and music fills our ears and look, I sincerely hope that all of you here in this room and all of you watching online are going to go home and have joy-filled plans today overflowing with merriment, gifts, warm fires, grateful hearts, and yes, Christmas songs. But you can be honest, no judgment. You might just be ready to move on, or at least in need of a long nap. I see that in my future. 
It's always struck me, if you want to know the truth, that within the Christmas narrative we read about in the Gospel according to Matthew, the day after the birth of Christ is presented with alarming honesty, with a dream of warning. Joseph and his bride and his new family become refugees, fleeing an oppressive ruler who wants to kill their child. Now for the author of Matthew, it is the fulfillment of a prophecy. For Joseph and Mary, it's a moment of terror and fear. And for the little town of Bethlehem, it is a tragedy of historic proportions. And you know, I think any time that disaster strikes, whether it be natural or human, human in origin, that questions arise. And maybe this hits home for some of you today. I, I don't know. Perhaps between the pronouncement of peace on earth on Christmas Eve and this morning's worship, maybe something tragic has happened in your world. I don't know. Maybe something personal and local. Maybe something on a larger scale. Now, given that, and don't hear me wrong now, I'm not suggesting, nor do I think any of you are looking for an explanation or dare I say a take back of the promises that we recalled last night on Christmas Eve. But maybe, just, just maybe, a so now what is in order. I mean, now that we got Jesus born, happy birthday, Jesus, what do we do now? And I think that that might be the gift I want to unwrap with all of you here this morning on this glorious Christmas day. Maybe that is the question that's brought you here. After the lights went down last night and you settled into your beds and you looked toward the year ahead, perhaps you were wondering, what now? What now? Well, I think our text this morning from Isaiah 63 might provide us with a hint of how we answer this lingering question of what now. And that hint is simply, I love it, is to tell the story. Tell the story. I will recount, the prophet says, the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. I like that. What will we tell, I wonder? Well, we're going to tell the story we celebrated so beautifully last night in this very room. We're going to tell what has happened to us. We will tell our story, our testimony of how God has acted for us and is with us. We will still always share the stories that we read and the stories that we live. And who will we tell them to, I wonder? Well, well, we'll tell them to one another. We'll tell them to each other. And you'll tell them to the world. At least I hope you will. And as we tell them, we will remember what God has done and what God is continuing to do. Now look, despite living in a world that doesn't look quite like God's reign, I know that we'll see glimpses of it here and there. I know that in us, beyond us, and we'll tell that story too, I think, along the way. Because, beloved, the stories we cherish and preserve, they take on an immortal quality when we tell them. They become a part of us, a part of the very fabric of our being, a part of the fabric of our realities in our world. Stories matter. Arthur Sue Monk Kidd once wrote these words, Quote, stories have to be told or they die. And when they die, we can't remember who we are or why we're here. Stories matter. The people that we become, the values that we consider sacred, the tradition and culture that defines a sense of normalcy spring from our communal and our individual stories. Stories do more than create, however. They also serve as vehicles that transmit their formative power, serving to shape future generations. Nowhere is the power of stories more evident than within the church itself. 
The stories of our faith, and more especially the specific narratives of an individual tradition, nurture the very existence of organized religious institutions in our world. Now look, such stories, I gotta tell you, they rarely represent a straightforward retelling of the facts. Rarely do they do that. Such stories rarely represent the exact depiction of what happened. The stories that shape our faith traditions, writes scholar and historian Dr. Ted Campbell, quote, involve richly interwoven complexities using historically encoded language that arose out of contested claims about the identities of the communities that they describe. Additionally, how we tell the stories is almost as important as the facts of the stories itself. Identity-forming stories are not merely retold. They are, to a degree, I would argue, reconstructed in each age. However, it's equally noteworthy to understand the extent to which a community's narrative of its origins is a product of that community's habitual and occasional creative narrative accounts of its identity. The way that we tell stories, on the other hand, the characters, the elements, the tales that we preserve, reveal our motives for telling the story in the first place and what others should value as a result of hearing the story. Beloved, stories are powerful. Stories matter. And look, storytelling, or as I like to say, testimony, that's not just a way of whistling in the dark to keep fear away. Testimony, my goodness gracious. I grew up in the South, so I know that's not a common word, but it was pretty common when I was growing up. Testimony, we heard it every Sunday in church. And look, testimony may be an uncommon word. May may you feel a little uncomfortable even, but listen, testimony is simply the reliving of moments of salvation. It is reclaiming the presence that seems so real. Look, because it was real in the darkness of the Christmas Eve service that we encountered last night. Testimony is relighting those candles that we held into the air as we sang Silent Night, except now, instead of wax and wick, we bring stories and we bring memories to light the darkness in which we live. And we do that until the darkness begins to resemble the light itself. So back to our question. So now what? Well, I'm going to put it simply. Now we keep going, moving on to the destination of God's reign, of an eternity in God's presence, accepting the invitation of Christmas as we move into a new year. Succinctly stated, I want you to live into the hope that you have been given. We are called, my friends, to live fully, to live aware, to live alive, if you will. Jesus says in the gospel according to John that he has come that we might have life, life, and have it abundantly, he says. The invitation is to live inside every single moment. That's what we're called to do, to fully immerse ourselves in every single circumstance, every single one. Live inside the good moments with gratitude, celebration, and joy. The difficult ones in prayer and in confidence that we are not alone. Alive, you see, in suffering as well as in prosperity. So what now? Well, beloved, now we go forth. We go forth remembering the poetry, the utter genius of the Christmas story that Rev. Mark stood right here and explained so eloquently last night to all of us. That in that little child, God incarnate, a truth was revealed that is so simple that it is almost beyond our comprehension. Mark told us that love needs concreteness, that spirit needs form, the divine needs a body, soul needs flesh, intimacy needs to be whispered, maybe in the sound of a newborn child. That is what Christmas really is, he reminded us. It is that moment when, as Rev. Mark reminded us, that, quote, we encounter divine love in a baby, and we remember how to really love 
once again. How to love not only God, but the whole world, irrationally, unreasonably, with less calculation, more vulnerability. Loved ones, it is my hope, it is my prayer that as all of you enter the new year, you will begin with um, curious, yes, and attentive hearts, with an insatiable longing in your heart every day, that a desire will be born in you that wants to see the grace of Christ spread out in front of you, in front of everyone throughout the coming year. And how might you do that, you're asking? Embrace your God-given calling to become ambassadors of compassion and love as expressed in the form of a child. Live into and enact the hope that Christ has provided us by giving it to others. Remember the words of Matthew's gospel? Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you that are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, Uh uh-oh, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And and when was it that we saw you a stranger and, and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And When was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it for the least of these who are members of my family, you did it for me. Friends, to be fully alive, Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, is to live connected. Connected to those who hurt, connected to those who are in need, who are lost, to those who have been pushed to the margins of our society and left there silenced, forgotten, and lonely. The invitation is to live outwardly, you see, seeing all people and being present in ways that bring relief and that bring hope. It's so simple, isn't it? Feed them. Clothe them. Visit them. Provide for their needs. Love them as I have loved you. Make love real in the world by giving it form and making it tangible. And go forth remembering the words of Isaiah. I love them. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord because of all that the Lord has done for us and the great favor of the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to his abundance of steadfast love. Tell them the story. Show them the grace that the story reveals to the world. And you know what? Create some stories of your own that testify to the ever-present, unending grace of God flowing into the world. Invite them to be part of the story and maybe create some stories of their own, stories of hope, renewal, and salvation that can be transmitted again and again to future generations. Then, beloved, then, together, little by little, inch by inch, the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven will, by God's grace, finally be fully realized. Amen. In the little village of Bethlehem 
Well, beloved, I want to thank you again for being here on this glorious crispy day. Uh, crisp, crispy day. That's, am I thinking crispy creams? Should I go there after? I don't know. Um, Christmas day. So thank you for being here. I want to wish all of you once more a very merry Christmas today and just a day filled with joy and celebration. Will you stand now as you are able and comfortable and let us join together in the benediction, the words of which will be on the screen. Let us go to join the angels in singing of God's glory and grace, let us go to share the good news that Jesus is with us. Let us go to offer peace and goodwill to everyone, telling all what we have seen and heard. Please remain standing for our hymn. Yeah. 